You're listening to the Charge Forward audio blog by Chargebacks 911, bringing you the latest in payments and fraud. To learn more about how Chargebacks 911 can help you reduce chargebacks and recover revenue lost to fraud, visit us online at chargebacks911.com. This episode is a replay of a webinar entitled Bitcoin versus Chargebacks, featuring experts from Chargebacks 911 and OpenNode. I just want to welcome everyone again to the webinar. Um, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to join us. Um, My name is Jared Wright. I'm the marketing director here at Chargebacks 911. For for those of you unfamiliar with Chargebacks 911, we help merchants by identifying and preventing chargebacks before they happen and managing their disputes for chargebacks that we were unable to prevent. Um, Also presenting today is Nick uh, Batia. Uh, He's the lead research strategist at OpenNode. OpenNode is a Bitcoin payment solution. So I'm really excited to have Nick joining me today. And I'm so sorry for um, uh, bungling the last name. But uh, thank you so much for coming and joining us today, Nick. Thanks, Jared. I appreciate you having us. Okay, great. And before I get started, I just want to go over how this webinar will be structured. The first part of the webinar will include a short presentation from myself and then from Nick. Um, This portion of the webinar will be fairly visual, so it's important that if possible, you close other windows and give us your attention. The second portion of the webinar will be a Q&A where we answer many of the questions that were submitted. Uh, This portion will be less visual, so it's okay if you just want to listen to that part. Please also feel free to submit any questions that you have during the webinar. We promise to answer any questions submitted, if not live, then by email after the webinar. Um, this webinar will be available for replay starting tomorrow. Not all of the Q&A portion will be included in the recording, however, so we encourage you to stay with us today to get the maximum value out of this event. Lastly, uh, this and other webinars will eventually be released in audio form on our podcast. Um, if you, you like podcasts, just search Charge Forward, all one word, with Chargevax 911, however you listen to podcasts. Okay, and before we really get going here, um, I like to kick off each of these webinars with what I call a dumb question. Um, the idea being that since I have the opportunity to speak with different experts, I shouldn't be afraid to take advantage of the situation and ask them what kind of a dumb question that I have. Um, so do you mind, Nick, if I ask you a question? Please go ahead. Okay, great. Um, and just just for some backstory, I've been familiar with Bitcoin and owned some since 2014. And when I was ex- first exposed to the idea, it was explained to me that it would function sort of as like a digital cash, the cash of the internet. Um, I think back then it felt like widespread adoption was imminent and that any value um, you know, associated with Bitcoin would be tied to its use as a currency. Um, but you know, here we are six years later and maybe I'm wrong. And that's one of the things I I hope you talk about today, but, um, Bitcoin, at least uh, from what my expectations were back then, hasn't really been, um, widely adopted as a primary payment method for a lot of people. Um, but its value still more or less has increased since then. Um, so I guess, I guess that's kind of my dumb question is, um, from, from your perspective, it, it, will Bitcoin ever widely be used as a payment method? Is that something that, um, that, that we're still expecting? And, um, or are there, is it maybe that there are specific type of transactions or are there other use cases for it other than a, a widely uh, used um, payment method? Well, Jared, I think the answer to that about Bitcoin would be similar to other technologies that have achieved mass adoption or have achieved the status of 
a general purpose technology. And that would be all of these technologies follow an adoption path. So right now, Bitcoin is being used and it is being adopted. We just can't call it mass adoption yet, but we do believe eventually we'll get there. For example, we have a steady long-term average price growth of Bitcoin. Uh, if you zoom out far enough, we see that uh, over a two or three year average price time horizon, Bitcoin is on a steady increase and has been since its birth. Uh, we also see that the usage on the network, the actual economic value on the network transacted has shown a steady average increase over time. So we feel that adoption is going as any other nascent technology would go. Uh, and it's impossible to predict in how long we'll be at a general purpose technology. Uh, but we do believe that we'll get there. Good. That's good news. That's That's really interesting. Okay. Um, today's webinar is going to be a little bit different. I, I don't know if anybody's been to past webinars that I've hosted, um, but today I'm going to allow Nick to speak for most of the time. Um, I'm probably as interested as many of you in what he has to say, so I'm going to get off the stage as quickly as I can. Um, but one thing I did want to talk about real quick is something I run into a lot when I'm speaking to merchants, um, and it's the hope that there's a magic bullet solution. Often I'll be asked something like, how do I completely eliminate chargebacks? People tend to want there to be a simple solution, like something that they can put in their terms of service or an additional security step that they can implement that will basically solve the chargeback problem for them. And the truth is that if you wanna accept payments online, you won't ever be able to completely eliminate the chargeback risk. Um, I mean, unless you figure out, and, and maybe Nick can shed some light on this, but if you can figure out a business model where all of your customers are willing to pay via cash or Bitcoin, um, you're going to have to accept credit cards and therefore you'll have at least some chargeback liability. So I think when, when we talk about, you know, uh, today when, when, we're, when we're going over this um, webinar and we're talking about Bitcoin, um, I think it's important to think about it like a lot of other things as it's part of the solution that you can implement for your business. But there is unfortunately no magic bullet. Uh, chargebacks are going to be with us for the foreseeable future. And really, if you think about it, maybe that's kind of a good thing, at least for where we are now in our evolution. Um, in preparing for this webinar, I was thinking about the evolution of retail in general. I'm probably dating myself here, but when I was younger, cash was almost everyone's preferred method of payment. Credit cards have been around for a long time, but when most people, when most transactions happened in person, cash was much more common. Uh, the complexity of bringing banks and credit and all that stuff into a simple two-party transaction seems strange, and it was it was it was very uncommon for somebody to do that for a small or everyday transaction. The idea of payment cards offering consumer protection wasn't even really part of the conversation back then, even though technically chargebacks have been around since, if I'm not mistaken, sometime in the 70s. Um, when I was younger, credit cards seemed less secure than cash. Um, it was really, I think, the internet in a lot of ways that changed that dynamic. Customers wanted to feel secure when buying things online. So banks really started advertising the protections that came with payment cards and really made it easy for customers to file these disputes. So on the one hand, this, this new sort of dichotomy, the current situation with chargebacks is frustrating for, for merchants. I think it's important to remember that without them, many of the people that are um, that have businesses online or that that earn earn a living online may not have been able to do so without the existence of char chargebacks because chargebacks sort of were the bridge and they were the, the mechanism that allowed consumers to feel safe transacting online. 
And perhaps, and you know, this is kind of an interesting question, you know, maybe we'll get to a place where buying online will be as normalized as buying in a store was when I was younger, and consumers will once again prefer the simplicity of a cash-like transaction that doesn't require a big third-party um, system and doesn't require you to have accounts and all of these different things. And so that's, I think, where Bitcoin, at least in my thinking of it, would kind of fit into that. So, so that's the, the only other, those are the only two ideas I want to talk about. And with that, I'm going to turn this over to Nick. Great, thank you so much, Jared. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a lot that you said there. Uh, I think that's really important. Um, primarily, this idea of buyer protection and seller protection. Buyer protection is given to us by these credit card companies that assure uh, filing a dispute will be easy uh, an easy process but now since the absolute explosion of e-commerce we have a new form of buyer protection in the form of our review culture uh, the amazon reviews the the reviews on every uh, uber driver out there uh, there are ways that we have new forms of buyer protection which opens the door to how can we now provide merchants protection. And one of the ways that we can do that is with Bitcoin. So I'll start here about the difference between pull and push payments. Traditional pull payments are what we can think about as a credit card transaction. In this way of payment infrastructure, we require payers to provide payment data to the merchant. Then the merchant initiates a, an authorization request and pulls the money from the payer. Uh, so that's what happens. You give a merchant your credit card information and then the credit card is swiped and that's the authorization request for you uh, for your money to be spent. And when you sign that credit card receipt, that's you authorizing that payment request. So that whole process is called a pull payment. This process requires many inter intermediaries and oftentimes five or more intermediaries. We're talking about the credit card company, the payment processor, and the bank on both sides at a very minimum. Uh, what happens in a system of pull payments? We get data breaches and we get fraud. The way that we get fraud is that people say, I didn't buy that, right? And then they file a chargeback fraud. And then we also get data breaches because we get concentration of payment data in one place. So if a merchant is collecting all the information, all the credit card information from all of their customers, they are now a honeypot of payment data. And that leads to hacks and data breaches. And we've seen that now several times at pretty much the highest levels of global commerce. Some of the biggest concentrations of data, personal data, payment data, have been breached by, by hackers. So uh, that's these are some of the, the flaws to the pull payment system. Now, the pull payment system does facilitate global commerce, and especially global e-commerce, and it does work. So we can't uh, just talk about the negatives there. But we do have to understand that there are uh, huge issues with the system itself.
Bitcoin push payments function in a very different way. There is no authorization process. When a push payment is done with Bitcoin, the payments are initiated by the payer. They do not require any bank authorization. Authorization. So this is the way to think of it is like cash. When you hand a $20 bill over to a merchant for a service and that merchant accepts the $20 bill, that transaction is now done. It's final. Uh, there's no opportunity for chargeback because there is no authorization process there going on. The payment is final settlement. Bitcoin works in a very similar way. When a merchant generates a uh, an invoice for something and a payer pays that invoice with Bitcoin, the money has gone from the payer to the merchant and settles with finality. Uh, it's an electronic transfer of value. It's not an exchange of payment data. So Bitcoin payments require very few, sometimes zero intermediaries, uh, eliminating this whole concept of data security risk as well. Now, uh, just a side note, OpenNode is a payment processor. So we are the one intermediary between the payer and the merchant. The payer can pay our invoice and the merchant can withdraw Bitcoin from our platform. So a grand total of one intermediary. When you introduce traditional currencies, then we start adding more intermediaries, but for a Bitcoin transaction specifically uh, with OpenNode, one intermediary, or if the merchant decides to do their payment processing on their own, which can require uh, a lot of expertise nowadays, zero intermediaries. Now, this is again what we talked about, this concept of buyer protection and seller protection. Bitcoin push payments cannot be reversed, just like with cash. Disputes and refunds are handled by the two parties involved, the merchant and the payer. Bitcoin payments don't require chargeback mechanisms because they aren't pull payments. Uh, but this doesn't mean that payment protection can't be offered in the form of a refund, uh, I'm sorry, or a return policy or return rules uh, between the payer and the merchant. So we're not saying that customers can't return things and dispute uh, services provided, but those are now those now do not require the credit card company as the intermediary to do this. What are some of the additional benefits to Bitcoin? besides this concept of being an online push payment technology, eliminating the concept of chargebacks. Bitcoin is native to the internet. It is an online currency that really is open to anybody with an internet connection and the ability to download software. So Bitcoin wallets are now available on every smartphone platform, on every single computer, 
There are also Bitcoin dedicated devices themselves that can connect to the internet. Uh, so we're talking about a whole infrastructure of Bitcoin software now existing around the world. Bitcoin is also the unrivaled standard in cryptocurrency. You might be familiar that there are hundreds, if not thousands of cryptocurrencies out there. Uh, but the truth of the matter is that the network effect around transferring value digitally over the internet has, without a doubt, coalesced around Bitcoin. We see this by several Fortune 500 companies entering the cryptocurrency arena with a Bitcoin-only strategy. And so, OpenNode is a Bitcoin-only payment provider for these reasons. Bitcoin is decentralized. This means that there is no central party that can censor, stop transactions, or change the rules of the game by themselves. Uh, we became very familiar with this in the United States several months ago when Facebook announced their plan for Libra which is their own version of cryptocurrency. And immediately, Facebook executives were subpoenaed, brought to Washington, D.C. to testify about how they're planning to comply with uh, security regulations, et cetera. And so we found out, you know, or congressmen found out that you can't subpoena Bitcoin. There is no central party. There is no company called Bitcoin. Uh, this makes it this makes it very secure because it can't be stopped by just shutting down one office building or arresting one person, for example. Uh, Bitcoin has achieved an incredible amount of regulatory clarity in the United States. The IRS has issued a ruling, a positive ruling. The CFTC, which is the commodities regulator, has declared Bitcoin a commodity. The SEC, the securities regulator in this country, has declared Bitcoin not a security and following currency-like traits. So, and then the Treasury's the Treasury Department's FinCEN, which is the their financial crimes enforcement network, has declared Bitcoin businesses legally allowed to operate in this country as long as they are registered as money service businesses and comply with all anti-money laundering regulations under the Treasury Department. So, like I said, a tremendous amount of regulatory clarity for Bitcoin. This is not the case for every other cryptocurrency. Many of them have been labeled securities and now fall into SEC regulation. And um, pretty much every single one of them is a centralized entity and can be shut down for that reason. So what are some of the benefits to Bitcoin as a payment system? Bitcoin payments are low cost relative to the traditional payment system. Uh, near near real-time settlement on-chain means that Bitcoin transactions are finalized within minutes. A new protocol called Lightning Network introduced a couple of years ago now offers instant settlement of Bitcoin. This is a growing ecosystem. OpenNode provides both Bitcoin on-chain, which are considered regular transactions, as well as Lightning Network transactions. Lightning Network is not a different currency. 
It's just a type of Bitcoin transaction. The transactions are also borderless because all, all that's required for Bitcoin transactions are an internet connection and software compatible with Bitcoin. OpenNode is a Bitcoin payment infrastructure provider. We offer payments for businesses everywhere, ingoing and outgoing payments. Uh, we offer uh, very low cost processing fees, completely borderless, and the most powerful aspect of OpenNode, uh, the thing that we're really passionate about is the fact that our API is so easy to implement. Just a couple lines of code by signing up with us, you have access to just a couple lines of code that you can build entire e-commerce businesses around. We have a client that's already built a video game with our API using Lightning Network Bitcoin payments within the game. Uh, so we also have a Shopify plugin, which is very popular with our users. Uh, you can accept Bitcoin through Shopify with OpenNode. So these are just some of the things about OpenNode uh, that are really exciting. Uh, it's very easy to use. And uh, we the uh, what concerns a lot of merchants is what about price volatility? I don't necessarily want Bitcoin. Uh, I want to accept Bitcoin, but I want dollars. Well, we offer instant exchange, automatic conversion into US dollars upon transactions. So you don't even have to worry about the price of Bitcoin. You can accept Bitcoin with our platform and we, uh, we convert that automatically into dollars and it's available for you um, to transfer into your bank account immediately. So uh, those are just some of the things about OpenNote that we wanted to share with you today. Jared? Right, that's great. So, so, so Nick, just out of curiosity, I mean, is am I right in thinking about, or would I be right in saying, um, just from a ten thousand foot view, um, that merchants could think about it as just another sort of payment button, um, similar to how you know sort of PayPal buttons were all the rage. So you'd have your traditional checkout um, card, and your you know you could just pay by credit card, or the the customer could pay by PayPal. Um, would your system just allow you know them to choose a, another option, which would be um, uh, Bitcoin, um, or, or is that an oversimplification? No, that's exactly the way to think about it. Uh, we're the we're the PayPal for Bitcoin. It's just a, we we have payment buttons. Uh, we have plugins with e-commerce websites like Shopify. Uh, so check out with PayPal. Check out with OpenNode. And um, you know, you can have OpenNode and you can also, uh, you know, for larger businesses, abstract that whole concept away and just say, check out with Bitcoin. And, uh, you know, it works the same. We offer both. Uh, it's a very easy to use payment provider. I remember when I first heard about Bitcoin, I know that there was, um, there was, there was at least some thinking, you know, there was all the stories of people that would um, try to survive only using Bitcoin. Um, you know, there's a bunch of people did articles about it and I think some purists kind of did it just, you know, for, for whatever reason. Um, but, um, so there was, there was, there was some, there was some incentive or it felt like maybe there would be some incentive for a merchant to accept Bitcoin because, you know, let's say you sell socks or whatever and, and, um, somebody, you know, a customer has a preference to pay with Bitcoin, um, you know, in addition to just offering them that as a, 
uh, something that they stumble upon where they just get to select that preference. Is, is there any data or any information that this could be a sort of lead acquisition thing? So you could sort of advertise that you accept Bitcoin um, to, to that, that uh, market where people are trying to use Bitcoin um, to, you know, because they're believers or for whatever other reason? Yes, absolutely. Uh, we we find all the time that our merchants uh, get business from Bitcoin enthusiasts uh, that are just excited to push the technology forward. Um, but there are also people out there that you know their savings and checking account uh, is in Bitcoin, and so that that's what they earn through whether they have mining operations or whether they accept Bitcoin as revenue into their business and they want to spend Bitcoin on things. So we have merchants from really across the spectrum of global commerce. And uh, we see, you know, we see those companies advertising the fact that they now accept Bitcoin and getting sales directly from those people uh, that are excited about that. That's great. That's, that's, that's really um, interesting to hear. Okay, so we had a bunch of questions. So I'm gonna see how many of these we can get through today. Um, the first question, I'm sure everybody kind of is curious. Um, do you have any tips for how um, this uh, merchant can raise uh, uh, consumer adoption of Bitcoin payments for his business? Sure, well, the first thing, uh, it might sound obvious, but you have to tell your customers about this new method of payment. Uh, you don't know who out there of your customer base has Bitcoin that they're willing to spend or is going to recommend your services or provide some sort of word of mouth marketing around this concept that you now offer uh, a Bitcoin uh, payment solution uh, as you know, in, in terms of you accepting money uh, Bitcoin into your business. So we also offer a lower fee than traditional payment processors. So by a couple percent at the very minimum with no chargebacks. This offers the uh, merchant an ability to provide a discount. Uh, even if it's as little as a couple percent that if you play with pay with Bitcoin, uh, you'll get a discount. So uh, we can offer that through our cost structure. Um, and that's something that we have seen. Uh, um, we also see that in different forms of e-commerce where businesses will offer loyalty programs when you pay in Bitcoin or, you know, um, special incentives. So those are a couple ways that we see um, businesses marketing the fact they accept Bitcoin to their customers. Yeah, first thing, something that comes to mind is just like something like free shipping if you buy with Bitcoin or something like that. But what, so, so but that would have to be handled through whatever their, their shopping cart is, right? You, you, you would not be able to, um, your system doesn't allow for that, um, that discounting or anything like that. Or is, it, is that something you guys right. offer? It would, it would be through their shopping cart? The, exactly. Okay. So that's a really good idea though. Um, somebody had, and you mentioned the Lightning Network, so I think somebody, um, they were curious about whether the Lightning Network was illegal or they had some information about the legality um, of it. Could you could you comment on that? Have you heard that? Sure, that so let's separate said? it. Yeah, uh, let's separate that into a couple things. First of all, Lightning transactions are simply Bitcoin transactions. They just have a special type of contract associated with them that allows them to be instant settlement. 
but there is no difference between the legal status of Bitcoin transactions done the regular way, which we call on-chain, and Lightning Network transactions. Because Lightning Network transactions also use the Bitcoin blockchain for their security. So there is no legal difference whatsoever. Um, the, there can be a difference, though, in the way that anti-money laundering and know your customer solutions are implemented. So if it is very important for the merchant to identify to the maximum uh, capability the source of funds of the Bitcoin that's being paid to them, the anti-money laundering solutions can be a little bit more difficult with the Lightning Network because not all transactions done in the Lightning Network are registered to the Bitcoin blockchain, which uh, there are companies out there that surveil the Bitcoin blockchain for illicit activity and are able to kind of trace what we call dirty, dirty money or dirty Bitcoin around. Uh, so if there is an incentive or a necessity for a merchant to identify source of funds because of anti-money laundering regulations that they have to comply with, there might be some more difficulty with Lightning. But that's the only difference from the legality standpoint. Uh, it comes down to AML. Um, but in terms of legality, we discussed all the legal ramifications around Bitcoin here in the United States specifically, and all of those apply to Lightning Network as well. Okay, so so in a in a traditional sort of retail environment for like an online shop or something like that, they they wouldn't necessarily need to worry about the um, under, money laundering liability. Or do do you guys take on no. that um, responsibility for them? Or no, they don't need to worry about any. Um, they don't need to worry about anything like that because Bitcoin transactions are just similar to uh, everyday cash transactions. Um, we are also excited to see in the near future uh, regulation from Washington that would make Bitcoin transactions under, you know, approximately $600-$700 um, immune from capital gains taxes and these sorts of things. So, uh, you know, the small e-commerce types of Bitcoin transactions uh, really don't encounter any of these AML types of problems. Uh, we are accountable for assuring AML uh, and anti-terrorist financing requirements. We're, we're we are accountable for ensuring that all of that stuff is met. So um, there are additional services that provide AML monitoring, but at OpenNode uh, ourselves, we are uh, we are responsible for um, ensuring that we are not dealing with um, illicit bitcoins and all that kind of stuff. Okay. All right. The next uh, question is: How can other forms of payment imitate Bitcoin's benefits? Um, uh, and that is specifically, they're interested in um, other forms of payments that can maybe prevent friendly fraud. Do, do you have any answers there? I got a couple answers, but um, uh, is there is there any, yeah. any ideas that you have? Yeah. So. The orig original irre irreversible push payment um, is the bank transfer. Um, but bank transfers really fall short when it comes to payment uh, user experience, settlement times, cross-border costs, et cetera. So push payments do exist in the form of bank transfers, but there is no 
friendly way to engage in this type of activity uh, right now on the internet. So um, that would that would be the only one, uh, but just it, it hasn't been built out. The whole uh, e-commerce payment infrastructure has been built around pool payments. Yeah, I think I think a lot of that. Um, I think an example of that would be the the Zelle system, things like that. But those are those are primarily for personal, um, you know, exchanging mm -hmm. of money, me paying you back for the movie or whatever. It's not. I, I think a lot of those are not even approved. You're not even supposed to use them for um, traditional commerce, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Okay, so I think that's a bit. You know, and then cash is another one <laughs> I could add to that. Um, but yeah, I think I think the issue with friction is is probably your primary concern. Um, does Bitcoin have a consumer mechanism uh, protection similar to chargebacks? Is is there something that, that that can be in place to take the place of chargebacks, so that the consumer feels right? Protected? So that's that's what we're talking about when we're talking about policies and rules around uh, returns and um, potentially escrow management as well. Uh, so Bitcoin push payments don't require fraud chargeback mechanisms, right? Because it's not a pull payment system, but we do feel that uh, it will bring the merchant and the consumer to a state where they, you know, policies and rules have to be play, uh, in place around um, returns. So that it really comes down to every merchant Right. We're not we don't have the credit card companies to arbitrate everything anymore. And so um, OpenNode is working on developing these capabilities uh, within our infrastructure. And we're very interested to hear from you uh, which types of policies or which types of features when it comes to consumer protection are important to you. If you if the consumer doesn't have a way to file a chargeback fraud, what are their protections uh, from your perspective that you need, you know, that you're looking out for? Um, so we want to hear from you, but we have products in the works uh, along these lines. That's great. Um, this next one is somebody's asking for some, maybe some other tips outside of Bitcoin. What what are the things they can do to prevent chargebacks? Um, the I'm just going to give a quick answer here because we're we're kind of. I think we have a little bit of time left, but I want to make sure everybody uh, has a, can get back to work, and I'm going to wrap up here. So um, the two things I'm going to say, um, we the, the, the best way to prevent chargebacks um, from a tool standpoint um, are uh, pre-chargeback alerts and uh, Visa merchant purchase inquiry. Um, if you're interested, I will. Um, I think you probably received emails from me about this webinar. So if you just want to email me, I'll make sure that um, uh, somebody reaches out to you with some information on those tools. But basically what they do is they... Um, you know, if somebody contacts their bank in order to dispute a charge, um, they they allow you to either provide additional information to the bank so that they can, um, um, you know, talk to their customer and, um, you know, if, if they don't recognize a charge or, if, you know, there's some other confusion that occurs, um, you can prevent the charge back um, or uh, you have the option to just uh, refund the uh, consumer. And then that way you don't have to go through the chargeback uh, process. You can just uh, eliminate the chargeback that way. <clears throat> um, fraudsters also like to use this payment, uh, Bitcoin, 
and uh, it's very anonymous. How can this be made more transparent or secure? And I'm going to rephrase his question a little bit because I, I think this is a question that I have too, so I'm interested in what you have to say here. But I think that there's like a like a branding problem maybe with Bitcoin. I think that that you know that when you watch the news, it sort of seems like you know all the black market stuff is in Bitcoin, and so so you know I think. You know, there's a there's almost like a distrust associated with Bitcoin. If somebody wants you to pay in Bitcoin, it's it's almost um, it's it's kind of almost like it feels like maybe a shadier transaction. Um, what what are some ways that merchants can sort of combat that? And um, is there is there anything? Is there do you have any ideas around that? Is that is that is that one of the things that's holding back Bitcoin from your from your perspective? Sure. So let's let's put all our cards on the table then. Bitcoin was used in the dark web in transactions back in 2010 and 11 um you know into 2012 or so at that point bitcoin started to gain um, attention from the fbi so let's separate let's actually correct this uh term that he's using here he or she that bitcoin is not anonymous it's pseudonymous Payments can be tracked and then um, linked to, you know, the exchange of dollars for Bitcoin. So Bitcoin has become a terrible way to engage in illicit activity over the Internet now because the FBI is actually monitoring the Bitcoin blockchain uh, very intensely. So this is a little bit of a branding issue, I would say, that fraudsters and criminals are actually no longer using Bitcoin and have actually gravitated to other cryptocurrencies that um, are now more private and branding themselves as perfect for illicit activity online. Um, So we have detailed chain analysis companies that exist with very large uh, clients in the form of government uh, criminal justice enterprises. And they are looking at transactions to try to catch criminals uh, very actively. So I I don't think that Bitcoin is used by um, the criminal world anymore. Um, I think that um, some of the evidence out of the clients that big chain analysis companies have uh, will tell us that. Uh, and you know, let's face it, Bitcoin it puts uh, a threat on the traditional payment system. So um, you know, trying to brand it as a currency for fraudsters or criminals um, is something that will probably be practiced by you know the traditional payment infrastructure. Okay, that's interesting. I didn't actually know a lot of that. Um, isn't cryptocurrency too volatile to be a reliable payment method? Um, I'm going to skip this one because I think you talked about that, at least from a, accepting Bitcoin. Um, if, if you choose, you don't even have to hold the Bitcoin with your system. Um, and then this last one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you take this one. I think this is a, a good one for you. It says, what company do you recommend to set up Bitcoin payments? And I think I know the answer to this one, but why don't you uh, let us know? <laughs> yeah. It's open note, of course. Um, so we are driving uh, adoption and usage of Bitcoin through better payment products and user experiences. Uh, we are a Bitcoin-only company, and we place a premium on 
engineering and software development so that our clients can use our platform to leverage the power of Bitcoin and really all the unique things that you can do with a truly uh, internet native payment infrastructure. So our finder, our founders pioneered the first uh, consumer lightning network products as well. Um, so we have uh, some of the some of the greatest expertise out there in the lightning network using it, user experience, this whole concept of instant settlement as well. Um, a very, we have a very low uh, fee infrastructure as well as uh, we offer the first $10,000 uh, completely free in processing uh, for our clients. So we're completely free to try. Uh, please visit us at opennode.com and sign up and just play around with the software and reach out to us uh, we have a support team that is ready to answer any and all of your questions uh, right away. And we love to hear from our new users, uh, our ongoing users, and um, learn what you're up to and how we can help you. All right, great. Thank you so much, Nick. And thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Um, I, I went ahead and I re reset the slide back to the slide that has our contact information. Um, if anybody would like to learn more about ways to prevent chargebacks and how to recover that revenue from fraudulent chargebacks, uh, you can reach out to me at that email and I'll, I'll get you in touch with somebody that can help you. And then um, if you have any more questions about Bitcoin, I'm sure that Nick would be happy to hear from you. So thank you again for, for another webinar. Thank you, Nick. Um, uh, have a good day, everyone. Thanks, Jared. I appreciate you having us on.